Hey guys, this is Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, and you're listening to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast, a collaboration between Wired to Hunt and Drury Outdoors, in which I, my co-host Matt Drury, and a special guest answer your very own hunting questions. And today, the madman himself, Mark Drury, is back with us to answer a question about hunting water sources. And we cover some very interesting, very in-depth aspects of this topic. So let's just get right to it. Enjoy. Hey guys and girls, welcome to episode number 8 of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt. With me today is Matt Drury and Mark, how are you guys? I'm good, man. Hello, hello. It's good to, good to see you. We've got, we've got some great stuff to talk about, so I think we're not going to beat around the bush today, right? We are going to take a listen to a listener-submitted question and take a stab at answering it. So does that sound like a good plan to you guys? I think it's a great plan. It's getting close to deer season. Everybody's getting fired up, and it's time to uh, get all those uh, food plots in and get ready and make sure we got a good plan going into fall. That's right. Oh. Nobody's got time for all the fluff. we got to get <laughs> action here. So. Absolutely. So true. Well, Matt, if that's the case, then maybe we should just go to that question of the day. Hi, my name is Greg Neal, and I live in Euless, Texas. And my question is in regards to hunting water sources. I have 85 acres here uh, in Texas, and I have two big tanks or ponds. And uh, wondering if uh, I hunt on them, if that will spook the deer and hogs and their wildlife away from ever coming back to that water source again. Because that's what I've heard from from friends, and I've also have other friends who hunt them fine, and the deer and Hogs seem to come back every year. So just curious as to what your thoughts on that are. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Well. It's a good question. And without seeing a map of where his water holes are, it's hard to answer that. I, w- I would tell you this, Greg, that if, if you hunt it enough and you hunt it on the wrong winds, you're going to affect what's coming to that water hole. It's no different than hunting a feeder or hunting a, a food plot or whatever it is, when, when you're intruding, uh, even just simple intrusion in the summer to check cameras and so on and forth, so on and so forth, you're affecting the deer herd in that area. And deer very seldom let you know that they know you're there. That's one of the trickiest parts about deer hunting because they can smell you 24 hours later, just your track in and your track out. And you may affect them the rest of their life where they may still use the water hole, but it may be at night. So I would say this, I would find out or try to study it with a camera as to which way those animals were approaching that water source. And then I would only hunt it when the wind is correct. In other words, I wouldn't want my wind blowing over the water or blowing where they're coming from. If that water is centrally located where there's cover all the way around it and they're coming from a lot of different directions, then that's a tough situation. You're going to affect the deer there. I would probably back off of it and try and hunt those access trails going in and out and try and kill something going to that water as opposed to sitting the water and trying to kill them. Um, water is one of the best magnets out there, but you've got to hunt it just like anything else. If you overhunt it, you're going to affect the deer in that area. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. I mean, what you know, you've hunted down in Texas quite a bit now, the last few years especially. You got a lease down there, and do, is that a tactic that you guys use often? I know, like John O'Dell, who lives there, he he, you know, he bases almost everything he does over those water tanks. He does. I don't only because we're hunting deer for the most part, 
And anytime we've gotten close to water, all we see are hogs. Oh. Okay. So then when we do see the hogs, we don't see the deer because the deer just absolutely hate when the hogs are around. So we have a tendency to pull our sets up off the water sources. We've got a lot of tanks on, on the Stasny's Cook and they're just filled with hogs. I mean, we have a lot of hogs and we try to stay away from the hogs and uh, we have better luck when we do. Interesting. So, Mark, I'm curious, you know, here in the Midwest, when I think about hunting over water, I'm typically thinking early season, you know, a hot day. But is that the only time that you'd be hunting a water source in other states other than down south? Or, you know, is that when you focus? I think, you know, we do 13 and we we talk about hunting water source in a couple of those phases yeah. where it's really, really good. And answer your question, Mark, it's any day of the year. Uh, and that's the truth. I mean, just like they can't live without water, they can go yeah. without food for quite a while and they can find food everywhere. There's browse literally everywhere. Uh, but water is generally only in a certain few places. I mean, they get a lot of their moisture from the plants and from the dew and that type of stuff. But when they get thirsty, whether it's hot or whether they're putting on a lot of movement, the more they're moving, the more likely they are to go to a water source. So when you get into those phases, like uh, the seeking phase of the pre-rut, when the buck the buck parade for us in, in 13, yeah. that's when you can really dial in on a water source. Because the more they move, the thirstier they are, and the more magical water sources become. After the rut's over, do they go, Absolutely. Mean, is that a focus again once they're de- kind of depleted, depleted rather, and, and, and they're wanting to kind of replenish all those nutrients? Is that a good focus to It is go a good focus, <clears throat> and it's another good focus to put a trail ca- camera there. And you can learn which there's certain water holes that they'll hit really well because they've got good access to and from. And there's other water holes where I don't get a lot of deer pictures because they don't feel very comfortable when they're down there drinking. If you've ever sat water and you watch a deer they are literally at their least comfortable when they're bending down to get that drink. I think they feel a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So there are certain water holes that they'll hit pretty readily and other water holes they won't. So take some trail cameras, put them on your water holes, and you'll find out which ones they hit at certain times of the year because that will differ based on uh, thermal cover or where they're bedding, those types of things. I have some water holes that are very good early season and other water holes that are only good during the late season. You only find that out by putting a camera there and finding out when they're hitting them. Now, what about... Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, have you seen any preference for morning to evening use on water holes? Is that something you've ever seen, actually, one or the other working better? Would it depend where it's at on your farm? Yeah, it depends where it's at. If it's close to food, it's probably going to be good in the afternoons. If it's closer to bed, it's going to be good really morning and then midday and just prior to going out out to uh, to a food source. So there again, we only learn these things from cameras. And water holes are tough to get good pictures about, you know, because you look at a scrape, they're coming to one spot, or you look at a, a, a bio rock, they're only coming to one spot on a water hole, they can access from a lot of different directions. So I have a tendency to put a couple cameras up and I'll put them on a, on a fairly rapid fire so that I see where these deer are entering and exiting from. Because a lot of times they'll come in and they'll circle that whole pond to get a drink over here and then leave over there. It's amazing what you learn when you watch a water source. They are tricky to hunt, in my opinion, because they do so much of this stuff when they're there. Interesting. We On our lease, we have a farm pond, but it's where the cattle typically is. It's the only water on the whole property. Um, so would that be something where... Does cattle mess with that at all, you think? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. deer, just like the hogs, they don't like a lot of things around. They don't like cattle at all. So I have a tendency to, to stay away from I don't like cattle on any of my farms. Oh, for sure. Know, so 
we're constantly repairing fences and stuff. We don't have cattle on, on the property. When you do deal with them, you know, the deer, they're going to intermingle with them. But as a general rule, if they can get away from them, they're going to go to the next farm and stay away from those cattle yeah. until the rut when they, they start yeah. expanding ranges. What about moving water? Do you see any preference between standing water like a pond versus a creek or something? I've heard some interesting theories on this based on region. I'm curious to hear what, you th- what you've seen, Mark. I don't see any preference. I mean, I think they're kind of opportunistic when it comes to water. Like, I think they pick up water from plants. I think if they're close to a creek, they're going to hit a little drink, then they're going to go feed. Or if they're close to a pond, it's more opportunity than it is preference, in my opinion. Interesting. Now, let's take it one step further. What about, and this is probably the same as what you just said, but what about man-made versus natural? You know, having a tank or a real pond. Anything there? good if it's water they're going to drink it they're 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 going to go to it they seek it out you know we did some tests um through mad and flambeau with these little man-made water holes they were actually these it would only hold about a gallon's worth of water but we would actually put them in a natural drainage and they fill naturally and uh we had a lot of good luck with them We we didn't end up bringing the product to market but uh, the deer came to them readily. Not only the deer, the mice, the squirrels, the rabbits, the coons, everything was watering out of that little bitty gallon or two gallons of water. Just like when you put food source out. Just like <laughs> when you put food source everything, out. Everything comes. You're benefiting all wildlife. That's yeah. why I say hunters are the best conservationists. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you, doing, are you doing that yourself in any way, Mark, actually creating your own man-made water source on your properties in the Midwest often? We are. I just had a pond put in i've had three built within the last year hmm. and we got a little rain and the uh look at this picture i can show you this picture right here it's a panoramic view but we got a little rain and this pond let's see where can i get that to get that, that view the be, best let's see this camera let me just maybe put it up we got a little rain and the water hole's already got some in it wow. so the reason I wanted a water hole here just won't focus but no. it's a pond and there's a little <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah. There you go. The, the reason you can see it actually better there, Matt, back it up a little bit. But the reason I wanted a water hole, this is at the head of a draw. All right. There's a main CRP draw that runs about a mile through my property. And then there's all these little fingers. And we went out to a finger that I see a lot of deer coming and going through and bedding right there. And we added a water hole and it takes a lot of runoff. This is an inch of rain and the pond's already got, you know, probably 20 percent of the fill in it. But I wanted a water hole there because the side hills are too slopey for a food plot. And I always like magnets. You know, I always like give, giving deer a reason to come by my stands. And it was just too slopey for a, for, a, for a food plot. But there's a lot of bedding cover right there off the heads of those, those draws. So I wanted water there. So they're, they're dumping in and out of that draw with consistency. Interesting. So in answer to your question, yes, we, we build them when needed. Most of my pond, most of my farms are where I hunt, have natural ponds or anyway, because where our farms are, it's cattle country. And there's been ponds there historically for years. So we've been blessed with a lot of water holes. But that is one new one that we just built this year. And I had some others repaired as well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> are you are you just having those dug out, or do you put some kind of liner underneath them, or how exactly is that being created? Well, I have a friend that's got a um, an excavating company up there. He actually he rents one of my farms, and then he's got a track on a bulldozer, and I uh, hired them to come in, and they built the dam, and they got wow. through all the topsoil because that's not good soil to make the dam hold. They got down into the clay, they built it up, and now we've got a great water source there. So I put that pond in for probably, uh, I would guess, three grand maybe total construction, and that was from zero to complete. 
And it's not huge. It's just enough to draw deer in. And the other thing that, that I wanted was I, I didn't want gradual slopes. I want fairly sheer sides because when that water recedes, I don't want a lot of mud and, mm-hmm. and midges EHD. and EHD. And I had him go to some of my other ponds and pull those those banks all the way around pretty slick so that when it drops down, you don't have that, that mucky mud. And anything I can do to avoid EHD, I feed analogics all summer long. I'm trying to help my ponds out because it's the number one enemy of the whitetail manager in the Midwest, in my opinion. So those steep grades does it make it more i mean if the water level is low i mean does it make it more difficult for them to no they'll get in there though no. yeah they'll get interesting yeah have you heard or seen anything on the ehd front yet this year mark or matt either one of you couples you know here and there but not not a huge amount i heard of four two in illinois two in iowa but that was like late june and i was like oh no i hope that we don't you know here we go again but if you recall june was incredibly dry yeah like from May the 20th or so, we dried up and it got very, very dry. And then all of a sudden you got to July 1 and it started raining about an inch and a half to two inches a week all throughout the Midwest. I'm sure there's some areas that are still dry. But what I have found when the EHD hits, it's when you go through a period that's about 30 days with no rain. That's when I start seeing the EHD hit. This year we've been blessed with incredibly good rainfall throughout the Midwest. How about up in your neck of the woods? Have you heard of any, Mark? You know, not here in Michigan yet, but I just heard of the first case report in South Dakota. Um, I think last week that was. So I don't know if that's going to be something that continues in some regions, because to your point, recently we've been getting some rain, at least here in Michigan, and it sounds like by you too. But but there are a few spots. I was just looking at the drought monitor a week and a half or two weeks ago, and there are a few spots in the country that are getting hit pretty hard. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we avoid it this year. Um, I'm glad to hear it's looking good by you guys. It- it is looking good, but that, to your point, there are some dry areas, and when you get those droughts, man, you can just bet on it. Everywhere is going to have a little bit of EHD every year. It may vary from a half a percent of the herd up to severe cases of 70 80 percent like we had in 12, but you're always going to have some EHD, but it varies year from year based on climate. To circle back real quick, let me ask you one more question. So if you, you know, we've had great rainfall from July on, how does that affect water source hunting i mean they got because it's more readily available and little you know little you know puddles and this and that do they do they hit a concentrated source as much in those instances well it goes back to what we were talking about there in the the front part of our podcast there are certain areas they're going to hit early season like that particular pond that i put in it's out there in bedding cover and that is ideal for the rut because so many bucks hit that particular i've seen them from distances on the farm they go into all those little fingers and they're checking for does bedded in there right well when they dump in they're going to water right there so it really depends on where it's at but the more water we have the more we have the better it is for the herd from the health and the lack of ehd so that's a good thing but it also makes hunting them a little bit more difficult because when they've got little puddles in their way they're going to drink there as opposed to walking over to a pond and drinking from it makes sense as those little puddles dry up that's when the ponds start to get a little bit more more usage makes a lot of sense well Anything else we haven't covered on that topic, Mark? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Back to Greg's question, though. You just got to be careful about overhunting them, you know. Terry and I had a pond in Illinois that was so good during the early season, and we would we, it was so tempting, every, and it worked for a south wind, which is important, you know, because that's generally your warmer temperatures. We were just hunting the living tar out of it, and the more we hunted at the left, we saw the deer, but it was so tempting because every time we went there, man, it was bucks, and they were running around like it was a, a rodeo rink or something. So just be very careful, Greg, as you're, as you're hunting that water that you're 
not over hunting it and you'll you'll learn that by putting cameras up and if you start to see diminished use you probably did it to yourself i know what i'm doing i'm getting my camera and putting it on my on my <laughs> That's what you can do. yeah <laughs> figure out which way they're coming and going and then hunt them coming and going as opposed to at the water because they're so keyed up anyway and it's hard to get that correct shot also because they're constantly in a circle and and then they got their head down it's it's not an yeah. ideal body posture when they're yeah. drinking we actually had a set over this pond because it's right at the base of our bedding area i mean it's in the perfect spot but the farmer switched his cattle over to graze over there, and it just killed it. I mean, mm -hmm. it absolutely killed it. And, you know, that's another good point, Matt. Often you find these ponds down in low areas, so often wind switching and thermals and that type of stuff deals you a fit. So that's why I say I'd rather hunt them going and, and coming as opposed to sitting there at the water source and hunt them there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And to the point you mentioned cattle, we've actually had a listener submit a question asking about how to deal with cattle. Maybe that's one for a future week because I think there's a lot of people that deal with that. And there's, to your point, there's a lot of things you need to think about when they're in there. And, and it definitely does influence deer movement. So it's easy answer eat more burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you this much it killed my late season last year because they kept getting out. Oh, they're done, they man. kept getting out and it just, they ate. All the standing food source that we paid the farmer to leave, they ate all of it. Oh. Sampled all of our biologic. I mean, it was unbelievable. It just killed the late season. There's no greater competition for deer than cattle because they eat everything at 100 times the rate of what a deer would. All the browse, everything that deer want to eat, cattle are eating the same thing. So you're running out of food when you got cattle on your ground. I got a lot of trail cam pictures of yeah. cattle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop by McDonald's on the way home after this and, and do my part. <laughs> The double cheeseburger. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, uh, I think that's probably a good spot for us to wrap it up. So our quick reminder, make sure you're sending in your questions at wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. We'd love to hear from you and tackle one of your specific issues on a future episode. And, uh, of course, you can check out future episodes on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all the different places you pick up your podcast, or watch the video version over at, with the Drury's YouTube channel there. I think that's just about it on my front, Matt. Yeah, on that note, you can catch what we're doing on pretty many uh, fronts this, this time of year. So check us out at juryoutdoors.com. From there, you can get Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, it's at Drury Outdoors. On Facebook, it's at or it's slash official Drury Outdoors. And on YouTube, it's slash Drury Outdoors. So you can see us. We're going to be doing more live stuff, more times of the year, uh, starting in the fall here from tree stands. Uh, we're going to be doing a pretty cool piece with Reconyx where we're giving you kind of the most recent information. We're going to be doing a lot of neat stuff. So stay up to date with us and uh, be sure to tune in. Very cool. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.